welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenny, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We are so glad you're here. Welcome back to the show. Today we are going to be reading the readings for June 23rd, 2019 in the Roman Catholic Church. It is the Solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ. So we've had three major feast days in a row here, which is awesome. We are going to start out with Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. Melchizedek king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. He blessed Abram with these words, Blessed be Abram by God most high, the creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your foes into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So because this is the feast of the body and blood of Christ, we're going to see that those themes, bread and wine, and and then later body and blood woven throughout all three of these readings, of course, we want to pull out those themes on a feast day like this. Um, so like the reading said, Melchizedek is a king, and Abram, just to give you a little bit of context, because we don't hear it in this reading, Abram is just a normal guy, right? We know that from from Genesis, that Abram is just this normal farmer guy that God calls and says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you and your your kingship will last forever and ever. Um, and he's just this normal, just this normal guy. Um, but we'll, we see in this reading and back further in Genesis chapter 14, which was not read in this passage, that Abram uh, is basically the victor of this huge battle. Um and, and Abram was able to do, it says in the footnotes of this passage, Abram was able to do what five other kings were not able to do. That's just so interesting to me. It sticks out because Abram's not a king. He's a totally normal, everyday guy. And yet, through the power of God, he's able to accomplish this mighty victory. And so Melchizedek, the king, gives him this blessing. And it's so important because with a blessing, it's bread and wine brought out with it, right? So he blesses Abram, but also gives him food and wine. That's really important and kind of a foreshadowing of what Christ does for us. He not only blesses us, um, but when he leaves, when he leaves the earth, he leaves us his body. He leaves us his blood. So that's definitely foreshadowed in this passage. And then that last line is really important. Uh, it says, "Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything." So what Abram you know, receives as a reward from his victory, he tithes it back to Melchizedek, a king. So again, really interesting kind of an image of how we are supposed to, we are called to to tithe uh, as Christians because we have so many blessings. We're, We're asked to offer that back, give it back up for the glory of God. Now we're going to look at the second reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11, 
verses 23 to 26. Brothers and sisters, I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was handed over, took bread, and after he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. So this is, again, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And it's interesting that Paul talks about the Last Supper because he was not there for that. We know that Paul, you know, only becomes an apostle after, well, after the resurrection uh, and ascension of Jesus. So that's interesting that he's recalling something that he was not even there for, which indicates to us that it definitely happened. If he's telling us a story about something that he wasn't even there for, that means that it must have been talked about and discussed so much that uh, it had to be true. Uh, this is actually the earliest documentation that we have of the Last Supper because Paul's letter would have been written way before, decades before Luke's Gospel, which this kind of echoes the this is my body, this is my blood, very similar to Luke's Gospel, but this letter actually would have been written first. Um, so that's really interesting. And we get in here the literal interpretation, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, this is the Last Supper. Jesus is not going to be worrying about kind of lofty symbolism and things like that. He's getting his most important message across. This is the last conversation he's really going to get to have with the apostles. So this is a very serious conversation. He's not going to use metaphors and symbolism. So do this in memory of me. That's a commandment that the apostles take seriously. Um, and we do it because of what Jesus says here. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Um, so that's, and that's where we draw that line from at mass, right? When you eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. It's drawn straight from this letter from Paul. Um, and Jesus says in here, this is the new covenant in my blood. All covenants, all biblical covenants always, always, always have to be sealed with blood. There's parts of a covenant that make it covenantial. It can't be a covenant until it's sealed with blood when we're talking about a covenant between humans and God. So that's why we call Jesus the new covenant because his blood that was poured out that seals the covenant is perfect blood. So any other sacrifice or covenant that's made after that would be a total insult to Jesus because he was a perfect human, a perfect sacrifice. Any other type of sacrifice after that would just be an insult to his perfect sacrifice for us on the cross. So that's the brilliance of Jesus' sacrifice for us is that he ensures that we never have to make that, that kind of blood sacrifice ever again. So since this is a special feast day in the church, there's actually a sequence that goes along with the readings today. And normally I'm not a huge fan of sequences, but this one is so beautiful, I would love to read it to you. 
Laud, O Zion, your salvation. Laud with hymns of exaltation. Christ your King and Shepherd is true. Bring him all the praise you know. He is more than you bestow. Never can you reach his due. Special theme for glad thanksgiving is the quickening and the living. Bread today before you set. From his hands of old partaken, as we know by faith unshaken, where the twelve at supper met. Full and clear ring out your chanting, joy nor sweetest grace be wanting. From your heart let praises burst. For today the feast is holden, when the institution olden of that supper was rehearsed. Here the new law's new oblation, by the new king's revelation, ends the form of ancient rite. Now the new, the old effaces, truth way the shadow chases, light dispels the gloom of night. What he did at supper seated, Christ ordained to be repeated, his memorial ne'er to cease. And his rule for guidance taking, bread and wine we hallow, making thus our sacrifice of peace. This the truth each Christian learns, bread into his flesh he turns, to his precious blood the wine. Sight has failed, nor thought conceives, but dauntless faith believes, resting on a power divine. Here beneath these signs are hidden, priceless things to sense forbidden. Signs, not things, are all we see. Blood is poured and flesh is broken, yet in either wondrous token, Christ entire we know to be. Whoso of this food partakes, does not rend the Lord, nor breaks. Christ is whole to all that taste. Thousands are as one receivers, one as thousands of believers, eats of him who cannot waste. Bad and good the feast are sharing, of what divers dooms preparing, endless death or endless life. Life to these, to those damnation, see how like participation is with unlike issues rife. When the sacrament is broken, doubt not but believe tis spoken, that each served outward token doth the very whole contain. Not the precious gift divides, breaking but the sign betides, Jesus still the same abides, still unbroken does remain. Lo, the angel's food is given, to the pilgrim who has striven, see the children's bread from heaven, on which dogs may not be spent. Truth the ancient types fulfilling, Isaac bound, a victim willing, Paschal lamb, its lifeblood spilling, manna to the Father's sent. Very bread, good shepherd, tend us, Yezu, of your love befriend us, you refresh us, you defend us, your eternal goodness send us in the land of life to see. You who all things can know, you who all things can and know, who on earth such food bestow, grant us with your saints, though lowest, where the heavenly feast you show, fellow heirs and guests to be. Amen. Alleluia. I just love that. It's it's beautiful, and I feel like I've never heard it before at Mass, so I hope you enjoyed listening to it, because you might not hear it at Mass this Sunday, but it's really beautiful. I love in it how very clearly it, not only is the language beautiful, but within it, it's some really strong theology. The fact that when we break bread at the Eucharist, we are not dividing Christ's body into parts. Each host that is Christ truly present 
is 100% his body. Sometimes I think an old school heresy was that if we do this Eucharist thing and we break bread, then we're breaking Jesus's body into parts if we actually believe that it's his body. And that's certainly not the case because Jesus is greater than the divides, the way, you know, the way we're trying to divide up and proportionalize his body. Each host is 100% Jesus and he can't be divided. So lastly, we're going to read the gospel, which is Luke chapter 9, verse 11b to 17. Jesus spoke to the crowds about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed to be cured. As the day was drawing to a close, the twelve approached him and said, Dismiss the crowd so that they can go to the surrounding villages and farms and find lodging and provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. He said to them, Give them some food yourselves. They replied, Five loaves and two fish are all we have, unless we ourselves go and buy food for all these people. Now the men there were numbered about five thousand. Then he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty. They did so and made them all sit down. Then taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing over them, broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. They all ate and were satisfied. And when the leftover fragments were picked up, they filled twelve wicker baskets. So this is obviously a beautiful reading, one of Jesus's most famous miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, and such a fitting one for this feast day of of the body and blood of Christ. So now we see the fulfillment of all this foreshadowing that in the in the Old Testament, anytime there's there's talk about God giving them food from heaven, when we think about the Israelites walking through the desert, um, that the first reading we read about Melchizedek giving Abram bread and wine, it's all going to come to fulfillment with Jesus in the New Testament at the Last Supper. But this is even before that, the feeding of the 5,000. These people, these 5,000 people, it's not like Jesus is just hanging out in the their local neighborhood. It says they've followed him out to a deserted place. That's how loyal all these people are to him. They've just kind of followed him to the edge of the desert. And so Jesus is a good guy. He wants to feed them. And he's been performing miracles all day. It says he healed those who needed to be cured. And yet he is not he's still God, right? He's not out of energy. It's not like he's drained himself. He's about to do the most incredible miracle, which is the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. The thing about Jesus in this passage that I love is that he is a God of bounty and a God of abundance. It says when they've all had their fill, they were all satisfied and there's still 12 wicker baskets left over of food. I just love that image that Jesus isn't just going to give you in your life the bare minimum. He's going to give you an abundance of blessings uh, if you're willing to accept that. Uh, just the abundance that, you know, your cup will runneth over if you will allow Jesus to do that in your life. Because he wants us to have an abundant life and not just a bare minimum life. We definitely see the foreshadowing here of the of the Last Supper where he gives the blessing uh, and that language is, is very similar. He said the blessing over them, broke them, and gave them to the disciples. Very, very, very similar to the exact language that Luke uses when he talks about the Last Supper. 
So Luke clearly sees the foreshadowing here of this event. So just to wrap up this week on this very, very important feast day, especially for us as Catholics, to know that when we receive the Eucharist, that is Christ truly present. It's not just something that we should take lightly or go through the motions with, and it's hard to not have that attitude when, you know, if you've grown up in the church, this is something you do every Sunday, but maybe this Sunday try to take the approach of when you go up to receive the Eucharist, how would my life change if this was actually Jesus's body and blood, which it is, but sometimes we, I think we fail to recognize that in that moment when we receive the Eucharist. But maybe when you go up this Sunday for Eucharist, for to receive the Eucharist, you know, look at that host, look at that chalice and say, this is Jesus's body. This is Jesus's blood. How would my life be different if I truly believe that in my heart? How would I act differently when I walk back to my pew, when I leave this church, when I go home to my family after this, throughout my week? How would my life be different if I truly believed that when I received the Eucharist, it's actually Jesus' body and blood? Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope you liked it. Please be sure to give us a rating and subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. We will see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week.